every time I think about Palm Sunday, I um, I'm reminded reminded how fickle human beings are, because as he was entering in Jerusalem, and they were crying out, Hosanna, and by the way, that name, what it means is, oh, save us, save us. You see, they had the picture all, all totally wrong. They thought Jesus was coming to defeat the Romans, tear down Pilate's throne, and set up his own throne, and rule. And because things didn't happen the way they thought it should happen, those same people that was crying Hosanna and glory to God in the highest, within a week were crying crucify him. Same people. Amen. But as Ronnie said a while ago, he's, when he comes again, he's not going to come riding a donkey. Revelation, John the Revelator saw him come riding the white horse with the armies of heaven following. Amen. And he's coming back, amen, to execute judgment upon those who live on this world who have not yielded their life to him. But I'm glad that I know who he is today. Do you? Amen. I want to thank, uh, and she did not do this for me to say this, but I'm so thankful that uh, um, Sister Angie has... Um, Stepped up to the plate. We've, um, since we have been here, we've had a difficult time keeping somebody to uh, uh, be a greeter and pass out the bulletins and greet people that's coming in. And she's going to start getting here early in time to do that. And I appreciate people willing to do something in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> there seems to be a lot of folks, even though they've been in church for a long time, um, a lot of folks don't understand that Jesus Christ saved us to do more than just come and warm a bench or a pew. Amen. We, when we come to the house of God, we should have a mindset, how can I serve God? What can I do to be a servant in the kingdom of God? And um, if you want, um, somebody posted this uh, just this past week, and it is so true. Amen. Amen. Um, um, we uh, we want to uh, we want to God we want God uh, to help our needs supply our needs full time, but we just give Him part time recognition. Hallelujah, Amen. And that's something to think about. The Bible says, "Whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly." Your blessings. And your overcoming power, amen, is going to come by how much you are willing to sow into the kingdom of God. And that ain't just talking about money, honey. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. If you, want, if you want rich blessings, amen, and um, for God to be there for you, you need to be there for him. I mean, that's just plain and simple. You should be there for him. And when we're in the season there, we're talking about what he's done for us. Um, we need to stop and ask, what am I doing for him? What am I doing for him in his kingdom? Tonight we're having Brother um, 
Jamie Davis from India, and um, I'm always thrilled to have um, one of the Davis brothers to come be with us. Um, they are carrying on the work that their father started years ago, and a lot of our new ones don't realize it's not, but Brother Jamie's father and Johnny's father, um, uh, one of the last churches that he preached in was our church in East Nashville in the old building. Um, he was with us and um, and went back to India. And, of course, there, while, while there, not long after that, the Lord called him on to his reward. But um, there's a heavy persecution going on in India right now. And I am... I am being sent actual videos where Christians are being stripped naked and beat, running down, uh, running them down the street. Uh, We can't come and serve God as easy as we got it. I wonder how much we'd serve Him if we had to endure what those people have to endure to say, "I'm I'm a child of God." Something to think about, folks. Try to be here tonight, and uh, let's have a good uh, representation for Brother Davis as he comes. He will be here <coughs> at uh, <coughs> 6 o'clock. He is uh, at FAC this morning and will be with us tonight. Um, well, normally, I speak about uh, Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday, but I started a a series and had one part of it, and I'm not going to skip over this because I don't I don't want to get your your minds off of the main thing that I started on uh, the last time. I want to finish this, and we started speaking about understanding righteousness, the necessity, and the achievement of it. And um, that's what we uh, we spoke about, um, understanding righteousness. And we're going to continue with part two of this um, today. And you pray for us as we attempt, amen, to speak on the, on the Word of God. We're going to begin in the book of Job, chapter 9. And we're going to read the first um, two verses. And by the way, um, our, um, I realize, I guess, maybe our presentation table out there is offset and, and because 90% of our folks going out the back door to make a beeline right there, uh, a lot of times people don't even think uh, to look over at the table to see what's over there. Yeah, I know that because sometimes when their gifts come in by some of the ladies for the secrets, there's sometimes their gifts sits there two or three weeks before they ever picked up. Now, a lot of times we just kind of focus one way, but that table's got some good information on it. And um, we got another new little pamphlet. Um, it says, He is Risen. And um, uh, this is something good. It's got some good Bible reading and different things in it. has to do with the resurrection and um, we have them there, and they're free of charge uh, and no charge. If that don't work, we'll charge you 10 bucks. 
Hallelujah. But uh, pick you up one and see what else that we have over there. Okay, Job chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Then Job answered and said, Truly I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? Now I want you to savor on that a little bit like you uh, a good uh, piece of steak that you like to kind of savor the flavor. Savor that just a little bit in your mind. Think about this question. How can a man be righteous before God? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for your love, your mercy. Thank you, God, for granting us health, strength, and the ability to be here today. And now I'm asking, Lord, that you would take this uh, poor, marred vessel and use me to deliver the word that you would have today. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. In part one of our message, Understanding Righteousness, we showed the necessity of righteousness in that no one can approach God and have fellowship with Him without righteousness. Amen. There's no possible way for you to have any fellowship with God in your life without righteousness. Uh, we discussed that, we brought out scriptures, and we talked about it, and how that there's, we have got to be righteous before God because He is such a holy and righteous God that no sin, nothing like that of any kind, can survive in His presence. It can't happen. We talked about how that was one reason why God clothed himself in a veil of human flesh. If God had just come down, manifested himself in his pure form, everything down here would have died. It would have been over with. As I said last time, it would be, like be worse than the time that bomb going off. So God tabernacled in human flesh, which we know as being Jesus or the Son. And that's how he was able to come and dwell among us. So we found out about the necessity of righteousness, but that brings us to the crucial issue that we must all approach and settle if we desire unanimity with God, if we want harmony with God, how do we achieve righteousness before God? Think about that. I, <coughs> how can I, as a human being, achieve righteousness? Man has tried his own way to be accepted by God 
by his own conceived acts and notions ever since Cain failed miserably to please God by what he offered. How many remember that story? <coughs> We've been trying, concoct all kinds of ways and methods. But the fact remains that even good intentions can't suffice a holy, righteous God and live up to his standards. It's impossible for human beings. Let's talk about Job. Job was a man who the Bible said was blameless and upright and one who feared God and he shoot evil. <coughs> Sound pretty good. But even Job, <coughs> excuse me, even Job, when faced with his own moral circumstances, began to ask, how can a man be righteous before God? Is it possible? If so, can I, by my deeds and effort to achieve it, or do I need to depend on another source? You know what? I feel like I need some help. I feel like I got to turn somewhere else. Now, mankind today will tell you just to dig down and pull something out from under here because everything you need is in here. But that's a lie. That's a lie. <coughs> you don't have it all in here. I don't have it all in here. That's why Jesus had to come down the cross and make the perfect sacrifice. It's because we are not able to achieve that on our own. Now I want to talk today and uh, just briefly about man's versus God's righteousness. Now we got our standard of righteousness and what we think is righteous, and then there's God's standards of righteousness. And we're going to compare them and see how they come about. Staying in Job, we're going to look at Job chapter 15, verse 14. Look what he says. What is man that he could be pure? And he who is born of a woman that he could be righteous. Again, now I'm, we're talking about a man that the Bible said was blameless, one who feared God and eschewed evil. But yet this same man keeps reminding us that's impossible for you to live right before God by yourself. Hallelujah. Look at Isaiah chapter 64, what it has, Isaiah has to say. But we are all like unclean things, and all, look at your neighbor and say all, all our righteousness. That means everything you've ever did to try to live right and do right by yourself, apart from God, what's it say? <coughs> all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities 
like the wind have taken us away. I don't want to be rude and crude here. But if you've got a Strong's Concordance that where you can look up in the Scripture in the Old Testament and you can see the, the Hebrew word and the Greek word in the New Testament, I wish you would take that and sometime look up that word filthy to see what it what it actually refers to here. Long a long time ago I didn't realize how how really it was. Brother Penrod brought it out one time in a message he was preaching many years ago. And I thought, whoa. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. In the Hebrew, and like I said, I apologize if I offend anybody here, but I just want to I just want to just give you like it is. That filthy rags is talking about that time of the month for a woman. That's what it's talking about. Look up in Hebrews, um, in the Hebrew, that word filthy and see what it where it takes you. All of our righteousness is a filthy rags. We fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now here's our dilemma. Sometimes we fail to understand the true nature of Adam's sin and what, is, what was passed on to humanity. Everybody just talks about it and people even make, make, makes light of here's Adam and Eve eating an apple and all that when I'm, uh, I'm convinced that apple had nothing to do with it anyway. Hallelujah. But we fail to understand exactly what happened to me and you by what Adam did so long ago. <clears throat> we have been infected with the sin virus like HIV or something else like that. There is no cure. There's no remedy. A man may reform his deeds and never lie, never cheat, never kill, never steal, and still die lost. Those things you think is sins, lying, stealing, chilling, and killing all that stuff, they ain't sin. Those are the fruits of sin. Sin is a condition inside my heart and inside your heart. I was born infected. You was born infected. Hallelujah. Lying, cheating, stealing, killing, all that stuff, that's not the actual sin. That's only the fruit of sin. And we forget that. Sometimes. That's why a man may re reform his deeds and never do those things and still die lost and stand as unrighteous before God. Listen to Pastor just, just for a few minutes. There's going to be people lost in hell who never told a lie never took a drink, never shot up any kind of dope, 
but they're lost. Why is that? Because we were all born infected with a virus. There's no remedy, no cure, no hope for. That's why the Bible stresses being born again. That that old thing, come on somebody, might die. If we could get by any other way, Jesus wouldn't have had to come and die on the cross. My Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> no set of rules or duty performed can change or eradicate the fact like a man who's got leprosy when approaching a righteous holy God we are forced to cry unclean, unclean. You know those lepers in the Bible and there's still people with leprosy in the world in certain parts of the world? But when they've got leprosy they're not allowed, amen, to approach nobody. And when a person with leprosy would be out and somebody coming around, they would, they would kind of unclean, unclean. And they would, people would hear that and they would bypass, go around, because they wouldn't want to be affected with leprosy. And the Bible tells us that sin is like leprosy. Hallelujah. And it don't matter today, church. It don't matter how much I reform myself and how much I say I want to be a better person and I want to do a little bit better and all that stuff. When it comes as me standing before righteous with God, when I come into the presence of a holy God, I am going to be forced to stay unclean. I may have never lied, never cheated, never stealed, but I'm going to be forced to say I am unclean. You see, in our culture, in our society, most people today think, seem to think, well, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're pretty good. Pretty good compared to what? Compared to what? Pretty good compared to politician, maybe. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But there's a word that theologians used. I never, I never heard of it myself to Brother Ron Denton. Brought it in theology class when I was going uh, uh, to Bible college. That word is depravity. And because us being infected with the sin of Adam... That's how we came into this world, depraved. <laughs> it may not be good, good for us. We might not like it. But it, it might help us with our walk with God a little bit. If sometime or another, every, every now and then, when you walk in the bathroom to comb your hair or to shave, just look and say, you old heathen. <coughs> because without God, that's what we are. That's exactly, oh man, bless the quietness. Now this is not a shouting message. 
But you know what? Before you can get somebody saved, you've got to first realize that, hey, they're lost. If you ain't never come to the conclusion that you're lost without God, I don't care how many times you've been baptized and whoever's name you've been baptized in, you're still lost. You are going to have to wake up to the fact that every one of us deserve to go to hell. Man, that's tight, but it's right. Do you think Jesus would have come and went through all that and suffered what he did if it was any other way than that? It don't make us feel good. It gets all over our toes. But we got to realize, Brother Jeff, where we stand and compare to God and his righteousness. Hallelujah. And remember the scripture we used last time. If the righteous scarcely get saved, Come on, somebody. Where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? Sometimes we get thinking ourselves mighty highly. And, well, I'm Sammy Pruitt. And I've been preaching most of my life. I, did, I started at 14. I've been preaching, held revivals and baptized folks and all that stuff. Sometimes maybe I get to believe in my own report. And when I get to believe in my own report, I'm thinking, here I am, fixing to go up to the gate of heaven. And I think, well, here I am. And old St. Pete's standing there, and I just, oh, I'm Sammy Pruitt, just let me on in here. <laughs> He'll probably stop me right there, hold up his hand and say, Staring over there. Because, and I think about this more and more every day. The older I get, the more I think about it. And I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I weep when I think about it. God, what have I really done in my life for you? What have I really done compared to what you have done for me? Amen. It makes me realize that when it gets time for me to cross over into the other side, I've got a, I've got a name tag with a number. I mean, be careful, more and more stuff's got name, numbers involved today. But... I wear this thing around my neck. We can't even get on the lot uh, where the school bus office is without taking that up. And, you know, that opens the gate. Then when you park the bus, you go up to the main office, you can't get in unless you do it, and it opens the door. Folks, we ain't going to have nothing like that when we start to get into heaven. I'm Sammy Pruitt. I'm so-and-so. <laughs> hey, what's going on here? This thing don't work. I hate them motel keys they got nowadays. 
A lot of times I've been driving and driving all day long. I'm tired. My dogs are hurting. I'm ready to lay it down. And they give me this old card. It's supposed to be a key. And here I am. Come on, you fool, open up. Ah, some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. You got to go back to the office and say, hey, this thing ain't working. But you know what? When I get to go, uh, go towards heaven and I pull out a car that's got listed all of my righteousness and all the good that I've done, I'm going to sit there and it's going to be just like that motel key. That red light ain't going to turn green. Oh, no glory. Oh, glory. But you know what? I've got an ace in the hole. Hallelujah. When that card has got my name on it and all my good stuff, and I think I've been a pretty good old fella, and that red light don't turn green, and I, it don't work. I think, wait a minute. I've got, I've got something here given to me by Jesus. He purchased it at Calvary on the cross. He shed his blood. And it says the grace of God. And when I shine that card, the grace of God, that grace light is going to go green. And I'm going to walk in there, not on my power, not on my authority, all but the grace of God. Because it ain't what I did, it's what he did for me. Woo! Glory. Y'all folks watching by the internet, sorry. I know when I get over here and over there, you can't see me, but you can hear me. This is what God has done. Now, the Jewish people in the time of Christ understood their plight, and they tried to create a remedy or solution by attempting to make themselves righteous before God, by following a set of rules and guidelines. But they ignored the true problem because such things is a matter of the heart. Hallelujah. As I said a while ago, the sinner may reform himself a little bit, but until your heart's changed, it's not going to be no good. Romans chapter 10 and verses beginning at verse 1. <coughs> I believe it is. Let me turn here. Romans chapter 10 beginning at verse 1. Brethren, now this is Apostle Paul speaking. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Verse 3, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, now remember, we're comparing our righteousness with God's. 
they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Wow. Do you realize how many rules they are in churches? There's about there's just as many as there are different kinds of churches, amen. I mean, some people can concoct some of the wildest stuff. I've, we've about seen it all. The 20 years that we traveled going from place to place, preaching. Sister Darlene, fella, I'd hate to see what she would um, be able to do now, but she used to like to wear them high heels. She did pretty good wearing but she had a, a really pretty set of high heels that were red. We went in one Pentecost church one time, and we found out anybody who wears red is lost going to hell because red represents sin. That is a good example of the scripture I just read. People being ignorant of God's righteousness, establishing their own. You know what this old country boy said? Well, why can't why can't red represent the blood of Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah! Lord of God, didn't they put, didn't they put the blood up on the doorpost? And Jesus, <laughs> the upper county wasn't blue and wasn't green. Hallelujah. And the angel of God, God told me, said, when I pass over and I see the blood. Woo, hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen, amen, amen. Now, I've got, I've got to go on. I don't want to keep you all day, but. Let me talk about righteousness by, by faith. Righteousness by faith. I'm, I'm skipping some stuff because of time. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through what? Through not me wearing red? Hello, somebody. Through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there's no difference. My Lord, my Lord. Romans chapter 4 verse 3. Said, I'm not giving you everything today. For what does the scripture say? Abraham did what? Believe God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. God told Abraham he was the father of faith. Did you know that? 
He was also called a friend of God. <coughs> God spoke to Abraham, told him, I want you to leave your country, your home, your family, unto a place that I'm going to show you. And the Bible said Abraham journeyed not knowing where he went. How many of you would jump up right now, break all ties, and head off in the sunlight just because you heard a, a voice talking to you? God told Abraham, while you, he, he lived in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. You remember that? And did you know that place was a, a paganistic land? Nobody in Ur worshipped Jehovah. Nobody. His dad was a pagan. Abraham was brought up as far as up to that time, didn't know no better himself. So Abraham was about as far from being righteous as anybody could ever hope to be. And God said, Abraham, it's not in the fact that you was a righteous man, that you was a holy man, but God said, because you believed my word and got up and moved when I told you, I'm going to credit you to be a righteous man. Well, hallelujah. That is a way that is achieved, folks. When God speaks, you need to believe it. You don't need to doubt him. Hallelujah. You don't need to try to say, well, I'm going to add this here and make it better. Let me tell you something. Not on the day that God saved you, he did a good job. and ain't nothing you and me can do to make our salvation any better. He did it all. Hanging on the cross. He said, it is finished. I believe it's time that some of us need to get back believing the finished work of Calvary. Hallelujah. I hate to burst your bubble, but Samuel Pruitt don't need to give God any help. He knows what he's doing. My, back to Romans 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4 and verse 8. I didn't finish reading that. Let's finish reading. Romans 4, verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Now, we, uh, we, we're not together on the Scriptures. Romans chapter 4, verses 3 to 8. It says, what does the Scripture say? Hallelujah. That's the one I want. What does the Scripture say? <laughs> huh? Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as great, but as debt. 
But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just let me, just let me stop right there. I will stand here and tell you today, in terms of me being everything that I ought to be, I've still got a ways to go. And I hope that everybody here feels that same way about their own life. I don't think nobody here thinks you've made it all the way yet. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to wind it down right now. And I'm fixing to close. And this is what I want to close with. I've got a long way to go. And I've already brought out the scriptures that said no sin can enter in him. And we have to be righteous to stand before God. So what happens if I hadn't made it all away yet, but yet I fall over dead or Jesus comes right now and the rapture takes place? Even though I hadn't made it Myself, personally, the day I gave my heart to Christ, was born again by the water and the Spirit, God declared me righteous that day. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. And when God looks at me, and when he looks at you, he does not see you the way that you are. Because if you've had the blood applied, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And that makes us righteous in his sight. Because it's not by works that I have done that makes me saved. It's by the work that he did at Calvary that makes it a way for me to have salvation. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap as you stand to your feet right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah.